It is February 1st, 2023, and welcome to episode 176 of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you quickly up to speed three times a week on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. Today, we've got our typical setup, Jamil Jaffer, my boss and NSI founder and executive director, and Lester Munson, senior fellow at NSI and podcast king, who also couldn't figure out his microphone this morning, and myself, Jessica Jones, NSI deputy executive director. So what are we talking about today? We've got U.S. Defense Secretary Secretary Lloyd Austin is in the Indo-Pacific, and yesterday, while in South Korea, he announced that in response to a growing North Korean nuclear threat, the U.S. will increase its deployment of advanced weapons, such as fighter jets and bombers, to the Korean Peninsula, and alongside our South Korean partners, strengthen joint training, expand military exercises, and resume live fire demonstrations. South Korea's security jitters have risen since North Korea dramatically increased missile testing in 2022, a topic we've talked about here on Fault Lines, and Kim Jong-un made recent calls in the new year for an exponential increase in nuclear warheads. Importantly, though, Secretary Austin sidestepped a question about remarks made earlier this month by South Korean President Yoon Suk-yeol that South Korea might need nuclear weapons of its own or would demand redeployment of U.S. nukes on the Korean Peninsula. In addition to all this talk regarding, regarding its own domestic capabilities, South Korea and the U.S. have also been strengthening their security cooperation with Japan, which we know has made a major pivot recently, you know, breaking from its self-defense-only posture um, and, in, and doubling its military spending. You know, given all of this, you know, hyper North Korean missile testing, this growing nuclear uh, arsenal from China and the fallout of Russia's invasion from Ukraine, you know, what do we make of uh, the South Korean president's comments, you know, here on fault lines, our last topic, our last conversation on Korea really focused on, do we want to recognize North Korea as a nuclear power? Now it seems we're shifting the conversation. National polling in Korea says that 71% of the public support the acquisition of de- development of nukes. You know, is the South Co- Korean president's comments serious? Should we take them seriously? Is he just writing kind of this populist wave? Like, what do we think what's going on? Less. All right. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll take the first shot here. Uh, So there's no doubt that the temperature is rising in the region. Uh, China, of course, is acting in a more belligerent fashion in the long term. The fact that Japan is increasing its defense budget expenditures is not necessarily a 100 percent positive for South Korea. South Korea has some historical concerns about China that are very real. We need to be mindful of that as we consider this this very complicated situation in the region. I think it's important, and I'm, and I'm going to agree with, with uh, some of the future comments from our colleague here, that the U.S. needs to be present in the region. It needs to be steadfast. It needs to demonstrate a long-term commitment to the security of our allies in the region. That includes Japan and South Korea. And But, but we also need to recognize the historical context that both of those countries see everything in the region through, which is uh, the, the traditional belligerent actor going way back is not China, it's Japan. And, and South Korea is, is not unworried about that scenario. We need to be mindful of that. We need to be very nimble. We need to be able to, uh, to talk to all sides. They're not always going to agree on things. When you get to the nuclear question, I think the idea of South Korea getting nuclear weapons in the long run is bad for the United States. It's bad for China. The U.S. and China actually have mutual interests here, which is the denuclearization of the peninsula. That should start with South Korea. Adding nuclear weapons to the to the calculus here is bad for the long-term stability of the region. I, mean, I love that we're talking about 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I love that we're talking about denuclearization of the, of the of the Korean Peninsula as if it's a real thing. You know, like less, I, I you know, I, for a long time I believed in Santa Claus. I think my son might still. We still sort of kept the myth alive, even though he's thirteen. Clearly, no Santa Claus doesn't exist. <laughs> denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula is like Santa Claus. It's just not a real thing. We all want to believe it. I would love that to happen. I'd love for Santa Claus to show up and come down my chimney and deliver presents. So I have to go buy them. Unfortunately, it's not just not reality i mean look the north koreans saw what happened when taiwan when 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 libya sorry not taiwan when libya gave up its nuclear <laughs> weapons over time right you know Muammar Gaddafi uh, was deposed um in a in a rebellion you know at times supported by the united states um you know and we saw what's happening in ukraine now with the invasions uh, after they gave up the soviet era russian nuclear weapons um i think every tin pot dictator in the world recognizes that if you get a nuclear weapon, you ought to keep it uh, and maintain your power. Kim Jong-un certainly believes that. Um, and, you know, uh, you know, even tin pot, you know, pseudo democracies, um, you know, uh, are, are looking to get nuclear weapons. Um, and and it's a real problem. And since this idea somehow that we're going to denuclearize a peninsula is a myth. And since it's a myth, the question is only how do we reassure the South Koreans so they don't arm themselves with nuclear weapons? Um, and if we can't reassure them through conventional means, I think a lot of things that we're doing today, Lloyd Austin going, uh, us providing new, new and advanced weaponry to the South Koreans, doing these continued exercises, even as the, even as the North Koreans freak out are all the right thing. But it may require at some point rearming the Korean peninsula, um, and adding U.S. nuclear weapons back. By the way, we maintain nuclear weapons there consistently for three plus decades up to 950 warheads at one time, including, by the way, importantly, tactical nuclear devices, including nuclear nuclear landmines, surface-to-surface missiles of short distance, so the Honest John. And so this idea somehow that it's like, oh, my God, it would be, be, be a catastrophic disaster, um, you know, if we, if, we, if we considered reassuring South Koreans um, by doing this. But there's a lot of things we can do before we get to that point. Uh, we can start doing nuclear uh, exercises with them, tabletops. Um, and, and computer-based simulations where we simulate what would happen I mean, if we did need to come to the South Koreans' aid to demonstrate that we can and will come to their aid. Um, there's a bigger problem here, and it's why the South Koreans don't trust us. We should get into that later, but just back over to you. Oh, uh, Les, right. I think, I'm, is about to disagree with yeah, you. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, well, I mean, you've been waiting. <laughs> I think it's an interesting new kind of Jaffer doctrine that tabletop computer exercises are going to reassure our allies that we will stick with them when <laughs> when the fur starts flying. Uh, this, I mean, this is the this fur is a new thing. Flying. We're going to save a lot of money on our defense budget if we can just go around doing war games with people. This is this is Listen. really fantastic, and I think if if so, uh, I'm I'm joking. This is not a realistic scenario. In the long run, our interests are ill-served by there being nuclear weapons in South Korea. That is a reality. The idea that you should, we should just go around allowing countries to become nuclear powers because they feel a little insecure is a bad idea. The fewer countries have nuclear weapons, the better it is for the United States. Well, okay, so you say it's a bad idea, but do you think that's inevitable, though? In looking at the tensions in the region, looking at what's going on here... I, regardless of bad idea or good idea, is that what's going to happen, though, to be able – is that what's needed in the future to reassure South Korea they don't need to develop nukes of their own? It, it, look, listen, I'm not saying – I'm not saying uh, – you know, I think Justin's exactly right, right? It, what, and even if it's not inevitable, right, I agree with you we should stave it off, but the answer cannot be, well, let's just pretend like it's not a real thing, right, that they don't think they need them. They're not going to try and develop them without us, right? They may very well go down this road. So the question is, why don't they trust us, Les? Why don't they trust us? And the reason why is simple. 
We've had three presidents in a row who don't believe in American power, who don't make our allies confident in our in us being there for them, or don't make our adversaries afraid because we're afraid to use the American instrument of power, right? We're not willing to go to go to war toe-to-toe with anybody. We're not willing to put real threats out there or back them up, right? Our withdrawal from Afghanistan, the, the pathetic way we've handled the Ukraine conflict, right? Our, our failure to stick by um, our allies around the globe is all the reasons, our, our, our clear lack of willingness to defend Taiwan is exactly why the, the, our, our allies in Korea don't trust and want to build their own weapons. Jamil, we've been continually at war in Iraq and Afghanistan basically for the last 22 years. We are uh, the supporter of the Ukraine, the Ukrainians against the Russian invasion, as we should be. The idea that we are not willing to commit resources to conflicts around the world is totally bananas. We're we not willing to commit the, ourselves. We've been very aggressive around the world. Some of those commitments frankly, have been mistakes. And we need to be smarter about the commitments we do make. Yes, we need to be present in East Asia. Absolutely. Yes, we need to make sure the South Koreans trust us. I 100% agree with that. We need to be present. They are our ally. Uh, they rely on us and they need to know that they can continue to do that. I agree with you 100%. But the idea that they're, they're, they're worried about us because we're not willing to commit forces and treasure around the world is totally crazy. The so I think, caucus is back. <laughs> I think at the end, uh, how resources definition by Les and Jamil are very different. <laughs> what that More is. More tabletop exercises. <laughs> With that, that's a wrap. Thanks to Brooke Agacon and Rachel Domino from NSI and Claude Jennings for their help producing today's episode. Join us again on Friday for another great episode of Fault Lines, our podcast that gets you smart fast on the national security debates shaking up America. And if you like what you heard, rate and review us highly and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.